Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Drop your old ticket app. Use one built for 2017 and beyond. You can even do everything on your phone. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Today's episode also brought to you by Stamps.com. You got to avoid the post office during the holidays. Why not buy and print official U.S. postage with your own computer and printer? Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in BS, you get a four-week trial, plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale. Stamps.com, promo code BS. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com. I had a big piece on The Ringer this week with Malcolm Gladwell about the future of football. We put that up on Thursday. Check it out if you haven't read it. It's a 34-minute read according to Medium. I broke the record for The Ringer. I was really excited about that. Although I probably had the highest odds to break the record for longest read on uh, on The Ringer. Anyway, check that out. TheRinger.com. We have a big football show today. We have Mike Lombardi. We have Joe House doing the Callaway Part 3. And then we have Robert Mays and Danny Kelly from The Ringer talking football futures. Let's do it. All right, from Fox and FS1, our old friend Mike Lombardi. A sad week for the Patriots. Gronk is hurt yet again. There was an article on ESPN.com today that listed all the injuries he's had since 2010, and it was like 1,200 words long, and I was depressed. Um, (laughs) How many... He's had three back surgeries now. He has a blown-out ACL that, that was repaired. He broke his forearm twice. He had a really bad high ankle sprain. At what point do I just start thinking that we uh, we are done with the prime of Rob Gronkowski? Well, I mean, his durability question marks are, are obviously going to stand out. Uh, look, he's hard to officiate, he's hard to play against, and he's hard to do a contract for because as great as he is, his numbers are off the charts, but the durability plays into a factor here. And so all those things translate into how do you pay him the amount of money that he always thinks he's worth, which he is worth, the, you know, he's one of the best players in the league. He's what I call a Tuesday player, which is every Tuesday a defensive coordinator of the opponent playing the Patriots is worried about Gronk. Tuesday players go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Tuesday players make you adjust your defense. Now, what I'd like you to do is throw away all those stats you have that Tate gave you about the Patriots without Gronk because they're not realistic any longer. Yeah. The Patriots have another tight end, Martellus Bennett. All those stats are reflective of when they didn't have a tight end, when they had no one else, then that's when the offense becomes really difficult to move the ball effectively. I think they'll move the ball. They just don't have their Tuesday player, and they're going to have to, they've used to, as all those injuries have cited, they're used to playing without them. But this is the first time they've ever had a tight end who can play in a game, who can do all the things that Gronk can do. Maybe not as well as Gronk, not to the level of Gronk but he can at least let them run their offense. Gronk is special. Gronk was the game changer. It's the equivalent of the Niners in the 80s without Jerry Rice or the 2000 Vikings without Randy Moss. I mean, that's how I feel about it. We can we can cover it up all we want. I agree Bennett is the best backup tight end they've ever had. I also think they showed in the Jets game that when they put White and Lewis in the backfield together with the three wide receiver shotgun, that's going to be really effective, and I'm sure we're going to see a ton of it. But Gronk was the guy that everybody planned for every week. And, you know, forget about this season because for a second because I don't think this defense 
was good enough to win the Super Bowl. I think they could have, but I, I just don't think it was a very good bet. Um, I'm just sad as a football fan. I I loved watching Gronk. I don't think there was anything more exciting than him getting split out against a linebacker or him around the end zone or him just going across the middle and guys bouncing off him. And it always felt like there was a shelf life with this because, as you said, he was officiated differently. Guys diving at his knees. He t- he just seemed to take more big hits and weird falls and stupid injuries. And I, it was almost like the guy was jinxed to some degree. And, you know, you think like he had 68 touchdowns. He's 99th all time. And yet you look at his career stats and he really only played three full seasons. I don't know. I'm just sad. Is it okay to be sad about this? Yeah, you know, it is. And I mean, look, I'm not trying to, to make it all better and take a spoonful of, of Martellus Bennett and the pain's going to go away. It's not. I mean, he's. I think most effectively the red area is going to be the, the place where the missing Gronk is certainly the, the one you can't duplicate it. But look, when you're in the NFL and you've dealt with a player, and look, Gronk's history goes back to the University of Arizona, his injury history. Yeah. You've you've got to get used to he's they're used to him not being there i mean it's hard to say uh it's hard to deal with but they have to find another way the other factor what i think people are missing and i think it was on display in full force at the jet game was the offensive line i think shaq mason their right guard is having a pro bowl style year their offensive line is playing way better this year than they have in the last three or four years and they can run the football even at the end of games when you know they're going to run it they're able to run the ball I think that's something that, that'll help them. Now, losing Gronk, you're never going to replace him. That's yeah. impossible. But you have to, other guys have to step up 5% better than what they've been playing. And if you can do that, then there's a chance you can get to the conference championship game and maybe go to the Super Bowl. You're no lock either way because, as you said, the defense has been a liability all season. Can you believe that? I mean, how many plays did Gronk and Bennett end up playing together this season? I bet it's it was so less than a, half of a football game. We well, never yeah, they, really got to see it. Right, he comes in, you know, the off-season, he missed the off-season training, Gronk did, with with an injury. He missed the training camp with the hamstring. I mean, he's just not able to stay durable. And when he's great, when he's healthy and going, he's amazing. But there's been so often that he hasn't been. Can I defend one thing about Gronk, though? He has had some of the flukiest injuries I've ever seen with a Boston athlete. The only one I can compare it to is Cam Neely on the Bruins where Cam Neely's career was completely derailed by a couple of just stupid hits, both by Elf Samuelson, ironically. But um, Gronk, like the broken forearm, that could happen to anybody. T.J. Ward, Ward diving at his knees when he's not looking, that takes out any player in the league, you know? Right. And that Jets thing yesterday, was a, or uh, Sunday, was just a really, really nasty, unorthodox fall that I can't, you know, he was selling all out to try to make a great play and he got hurt. Um, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if I would call him injury prone. And I, and I look at. I mean, you, you're a little bit older than me, but you're as big of a football fan. I think there's guys over the course of the league, these great players, that we just you you leave it going, man. I wish we had seen more of that guy. I think Gail Sayers was like that. Bo Jackson was mm-hmm. obviously like that. Terrell right. Davis. And my fear is that Gronk is now on that list, and that that's where we're headed with this. I mean, when you talk Boston athlete, to me, Bill Walton comes to mind when yeah. you're talking about Gronk. That's another. I mean, one. that's too. That's who I think. You know, because there's so, you, when you see the talent and you see what he does, and he makes everybody else better on the on the field. You say, "Gosh, I wish we had him." But 
Look, it, it, I, I, I love Gronk, and I'm not here to sell that everything's going to be fine in Patriot land because Gronk's not there. I'm not. I'm just, as an executive, you have to learn to move on. Right. And unfortunately with Gronk, you've been forced to move on because his injury history, it's the reason he's drafted in the second round. It's the reason he's, you know, it's just nev- never been able to stay 100% healthy. And, you know, and and getting Bennett was to try to use less of Gronk. Extending everything the Patriots have done has tried to preserve the health of Gronk, flex him out, utilize him more as a wide receiver than in line, try to keep him away from the traffic. And yet he missed the four games to start the season. He missed the game in, you know, with his with the rib, and now he's missed it with the back. So even when they try to keep him out of the, the clutter, he still ends up getting injured. So you have to move on. I'll tell you one thing. You know, I think there's a couple of football players that jump out, like in my life. You know, like Taylor is the best pass rusher I've ever seen. Um, the Gronk's the best tight end I've ever seen. Randy Moss is the best deep threat I've ever seen. Like, it's a very short list when you're just talking right. about these. So and so is clearly the best I've seen, and that's going to end up being his legacy. I think he is easily the best tight end of all time. Just yeah, he, if you're talking you about his named- ceiling, he's the best. You just named Tuesday players. Those are the guys. When you get ready to play Lawrence Taylor, you're sitting there saying, you know what? we got to block him. How do we block him? When you get ready to play uh, uh, the, the Gronk, you're asking yourself, how do we take him away from the game? What do we do if they do this? What do we do? You spend all of Tuesday trying to figure out what to do. Now you spend all of Tuesday trying to solve the Patriots' offensive problems. Yeah. And you live with the matchups. And like anything, if you take away a great player in basketball – it makes the other players have to step up and play. And I think that's where the challenge is going to be. The key here, and I'll say this again, their offensive line has to play to the level they've been playing for the first 11 weeks. If they do that and they continue to improve, I think they can really they can make some strides. And the other problem for this team, which is a subtle one, but the, the Pats fans who watch this team day in and day out realize it. Like Edelman's not the same this year. He's been fine. He's missing a level of explosiveness that he used to have. And the real problem with this offense now is they're not going to get deep plays unless Malcolm Mitchell can continue to evolve. And that's somebody that, you know, I think he has 16 catches total, but he's somebody in that last game. I felt like Brady was, was kind of looking to him for the first time. And he's somebody that they've never really had before. I hate to put the whole season on Malcolm Mitchell, but, uh, I, I do think well, he has to step up. And he has Brady. He's improving. He has Brady's confidence. Brady only trusts certain players, and he trusts Malcolm Mitchell. When he throws the ball to you on third and down, and he throws a back shoulder like he did against the Jets, he trusts you, and that's yep. critical. Now we got to get Brady's got to get healthy. Brady wasn't healthy the whole Jet game. I mean, it was clear he was just grinding it out. I mean, he oversell a lot of throws, and but with Mitchell, and if you can put Hogan in the slot, which is really Hogan's a very good slot receiver. Plus the the Deion Lewis and the James White, they have some players. Look, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be perfect. They're going to go against some teams that can slow them down. But they have enough weapons to score in the high twenties. That's what they need. Now, where it's going to show up, red zone. Red zone right. is when you always were worried about Gronk. You got to double him, keep him outside. They flex him away. What they always did with Gronk was keep him away from the three by one. So they put three receivers to one side, put Gronk to the other. Now you had to tilt the defense to Gronk. Now you don't have to do that anymore, and that'll become problematic. Can I ask you a question that's probably going to hurt my feelings? Yeah. I watched that Broncos Chief game on Sunday night, and I felt like 
the physicality of the game, the speed of the game, and the hitting and everything was maybe at a higher level than this Patriots defense can go. What did you think? Oh, I, look, I don't think they uh, – I think they'll rise to the challenge, hopefully, but uh, I thought they played better the last two weeks. But I think that Denver game was it was really a playoff atmosphere game. And, it, and if you're going to win in the playoffs, you're going to have to play like that. So I don't know if they're there yet, but they're going to have to play like that. That was uh, – that's what the playoffs are about. It's it's toe-to-toe, punch-for-punch, can you handle it? And you got to have enough to be able to handle the fourth quarter. What we're going to find out after Thanksgiving is conditioning matters. Conditioning of your football team really matters. Pad level of your football team matter, and the good teams are in well conditioned and they matter. The Jets last week on in the fourth quarter they were dead. They had no conditioning. They were tired, and that's what it cost them the game. And I think this is where you have to find your conditioning and you got to find your intermental toughness. And I think the Patriots have a ways to go, no doubt. But you know, they, they certainly could be there. Hey, uh, is there a team that you feel like's coming on a playoff team? You know, I, I, look, I, I think. Baltimore, the Baltimore-Pittsburgh dynamic is going to go there. Look, I, you know, Raider fans are all over me, and I said this on my podcast, but I think this is really important. There's been no team in the last 15 – there's been one team in the last 15 years that has reached a conference championship game with a bottom-four defense, and that was the 2011 New England Patriots, which beat Tim Tebow in a, in a divisional game and then beat the Ravens in the conference championship game because Lee Evans dropped the pass and Billy Cundiff yeah, missed the field Yeah, we should have lost that game. Okay, so my point here is there, there's no history behind it. There's also no history behind teams going undefeated on the road. Okay, there's been three teams in the last 25 years that have gone undefeated on the road. I think the Raiders have a really good team, but I think there's some liabilities with their defense that far extends past the Patriots' defense. And I think when you watch them, I think that becomes problematic. I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore are different in the sense Baltimore's defense is good, their offense stinks. Pittsburgh's offense is good, their defense stinks, but they're battle-tested. They know how to play. The wild card's the Chiefs. If the Chiefs go into Atlanta this week and they can win that game, which will be a hard game for them, coming off a five-quarter game against Denver. Both Denver gets Jacksonville and Kansas City gets Atlanta. You know, and so we saw when Carolina and when we saw when Arizona and Seattle played five quarters, both teams didn't play well the next week. So you got to be careful. And I think what happens is, is that Atlanta is, you know, rested, ready to go. I think Kansas City, if they can win that game, then they're going to be a really hard team to beat in the playoffs. And I think that's the challenge that's going to be right there. Baltimore's defense gets Doomerville back. And then they're getting Jimmy Smith back, too, like within the next two weeks, right? And that defense was already good. I'm worried that they they come into New England. They love playing New England. The games are always close. The Pats, I'm looking at the big picture here. If they lose the Baltimore game, which is possible, and they play in Denver, which they've had a lot of trouble, that Week 17 game against Miami, even though they have a two-game lead right now, that, that game might actually mean something. Well, I think the Baltimore-Miami game is a playoff game this weekend. Yeah. Now, Miami has done an incredible job of turning their team around. They've they've gone from you know minus seven in the turnover takeaway to plus eight, and they've run the ball more. They've taken Tannehill out of the game. They're not they're winning because it's less Tannehill, not because Tannehill's playing better. Right. And I think that their defense is the number one team on third down defense, so they're playing better there. So that game's going to somebody's going to lose that game. The Patriots have lost two home games already, which is unheard of. Yeah. Okay. I just don't know if they're going to lose another home game. I think they're going to get that fixed. And I think the one thing when you lose Gronk, I think you rally the forces around and you become more about the team, and I think this is what you're going to see. Well, 
I think Brandon Bolden and Danny Woodhead need to really step up for the Pats <laughs> this week. <laughs> Poor Jeff Fisher. Brandon, oh. Brandon and Danny. I mean, oh, my God. And they're probably going to give him an extension. They probably will. And, and look, you know, and people say, well, Goff's playing better. Look, Goff, the, give the Rams a little credit here is they put him in. He's thrown 63 passes in his NFL career, 55 of them been under shotgun. So at least they've put him in a situation. But he's far from being a proven product. I mean, look, this game in, in New England is going to be a challenge because you can throw the ball in this Ram defense. This Ram defense is all about their front. If you block them, I think what we saw New Orleans do to them is pretty obvious. You can pass the ball effectively on them, and that's what's be a good challenge for the Patriots. Their offensive line matching up against this front, and can their receivers, which I think are getting better with Mitchell and Hogan and all the guys there. I agree with you on Edelman, but he's starting to play better. I think that's that's where they have to win the game. Last question: Did Tampa Bay win you over at all these last two weeks? You know, I went back and watched them again. I think you can make a highlight reel of Jameis Winston's interceptions. I mean, that are dropped. Okay. I think they they make a lot of mistakes, I, 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 but their defense plays hard. I think their defensive front's playing better. Spence, McCoy. I think they're tough to block. I think they're playing effectively. They're playing complimentary. Their field goal kicker isn't killing them. I think if they had Justin Tucker, they probably would have had two more wins on their team. So I'm I've won I'm one over in the fact that they're playing better. I think the win in Kansas City was a great win because they didn't dominate in the red zone. They had chances in the red zone and they didn't put the game away. And then the Seattle game, I didn't see that one coming. Their defense played really well. I think their defense is playing much better. So I'm starting to buy into Tampa Bay. I think this week will be an interesting challenge for him. Are you worried that that the uh, that the Sam Bradford for a number one pick trade is going to trump the Trent Richardson for a number one pick trade as the as the best one sided deal of this decade? Because I think no, we're now because, in range. No, I think that Sam Bradford will eventually. If you could, if they could look, two things have to happen in Minnesota. Either they have to get a better offensive line, or they're going to have to ask the defense to count to five Mississippi, because that's the only chance he has. <laughs> Okay. Okay. And, and if and that's and I, I think and he's going to play in the league. When we we traded Trent Richardson, there was no doubt for me that he wasn't going to be an NFL back after two years because he just wasn't fast enough. He just didn't have enough burst or enough explosiveness. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you you're still you're still ahead in the game, Mike Lombardi. Uh, you have to run. So we'll talk to you next week. Uh, I'm sad about Gronk. I don't feel you didn't make me feel better. Just for the record, I well, feel exactly how pop. I did 20 minutes ago. All right. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> bye, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Quick break to talk about FrameBridge. If you've ever seen anything we've done in my office for Facebook Live, you probably noticed how nice my posters looked. Our friends at FrameBridge framed everything in there. FrameBridge's experts custom frame your items in days, not weeks or months, days, and deliver your finished piece ready to hang. Go to FrameBridge.com. You can upload digital photos, Instagram, whatever you want. Their designers will even help you pick the perfect frames. They offer a happiness guarantee, and instead of the hundreds, you will pay. At a framing store, their prices start at $39. All shipping is free. The TLC they put in their framing and packaging is incredible. It's one of my favorite companies, as I've said many times. I'm a FrameBridge groupie. Find out why InStyle called them a genius site. Go to FrameBridge.com, use promo code BS, and you will save an additional 15% off your first order. They just framed seven new posters for me, including an incredible Bob McAdoo Buffalo Braves poster. Do your thing, FrameBridge. Again, FrameBridge.com, promo code BS. And since we're here, let's talk about Harry's.com. They sent me some razors last year, and it changed my life. I don't get shaving cuts anymore. I don't get shaving zits on my neck anymore. I have a nice, clean, happy face. 
an aging face, but a nice, clean, happy face. Thank you, Harry's. If you're not using their state-of-the-art German-engineered razors, I feel sorry for you. And if you're not getting Harry's as a holiday gift for a loved one, I feel really sorry for you. This holiday, Harry's is offering a limited-edition shaving set, midnight blue chrome razor handle, which you can get engraved with your initials or somebody else's initials, three German-engineered five-blade cartridges, foaming shave cream, a beautifully designed gift box. It goes for $30 on harrys.com. They also offer handles and sets starting at just 10 bucks. If you haven't tried Harry's for yourself, free shipping ends on December 9th. Enter offer code BS at checkout, and you get five bucks off on that limited edition holiday set. That is harrys.com, code BS. All right, it's time for Joe House. All right, every week, Joe House and I do the Callaway Par 3. We make three picks. Yet last week, we went one and two against the spread because even though I made the case for five solid minutes that the Washington Native Americans were going to do a backdoor cover against Dallas, um, we still somehow ended up taking Dallas and losing that. We should have gone two and one. And actually, the Vikings lost by half point. So I feel like we have a pretty good feel. Robert Mays from The Ringer is here. Hey, guys. Danny Kelly is going to join us after House leaves. House, how are you? I'm outstanding. Uh, there's a guy out on a golf course right now. I don't know if you heard his name. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit chagrined by our picks last week, but you know that that Washington pick was one of my reverse jinx. I, I hate you. You're not allowed to do Washington anymore. I just hate you. We're we're, we're not, <laughs> not doing Washington. Cowboy Part Three. They're not on the card. But look, uh, everything's great because the tiger is on the prowl. So you know, life is good. Very quickly, let's talk about this because I watched like about seven holes yesterday. Maze, your whole life. How old are you, Maze? I'm 29. 29. Tiger's been part of your life basically your whole life, right? 96, 97. So I was probably 10 the first time you won a major. It, I mean, it, yeah, I don't know my existence without him being in it. Old guy Tiger. Maze, old was, guy was Tiger the, was pretty disarming yesterday. He did, he didn't have the I same swivel in his hips. Anything. Well, he's he's he's. He's mature. He's a maturing guy. I want to ask Mays, is that the first time you ever got a boner? <laughs> it's definitely one of the first five. I'm not sure if I could say it's the first yeah, one. Okay, though. okay, sure. <laughs> I'll uh, accept that. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely, uh, he's not the physical beast Tiger Woods anymore. But I do feel like there was enough there, at least in what I saw, that he, we just want that one Saturday when he's at the Masters and he's two up on Saturday on the eighth hole. That's or even all I two want. Two back, just yeah. in it. I just, just want anything. to be around one weekend. Yeah, just one. Just give me one more time. U.S. Open, any of well, those he, things. He gave us a nice taste yesterday. He was four under through yeah. eight holes, tied atop the leaderboard. There was a lot of excitement along on, on the Twitter, but mainly the important thing for this weekend is that he comes out on the other side of it healthy. And, you know, knock on wood, so far, the way his swing has looked, it's a little bit longer. There's been a lot of deep analysis. He's getting through his right side a little bit more efficiently. I don't know about all that stuff. Um, But we just want him. This is a perfect tune-up experience. Limited field. Of course, he's he's very comfortable on. Uh, Guys are going to score like crazy on it all weekend long. And, you know, the, the nicest thing about yesterday was he um, talked about how quickly he was in the flow of the round. He said by the second hole, he had that feel, and that hasn't been the case in any of his um, previous comebacks. So that's really all that we're after. Baby steps here. I would rank the comebacks I want the most. Gronk, number one. 
since that's that ruined my whole week. Uh, Tiger two, and then I don't even know who's three. Who would be three? Is there an NBA comeback I would want? George Foreman. George George Foreman again. <laughs> House quickly before we do Callaway part three. Do you care about Russell Westbrook's triple double quest? Of course. What do you mean? Do I care about it? Okay, of course I, do I do too. I care way more I than I thought nuts. I would. <laughs> Why are we calling it a quest? By the way, I, it's not a quest. He's just playing his ass off and helping his team win games. And it happens. It just so happens that that he they need a triple double out of him to 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 be competitive. I'm not calling it a quest. I don't think he can get ten rebounds a game for eighty two. I don't, I don't think it's realistic. That's going to be the hardest part. I just think the rebounds. LeBron has never had ten rebounds. LeBron is the most superhuman NBA player we've ever had. He's never had ten rebounds a game. I feel I like Russell it. Westbrook has that tinge of crazy to the point where he might be able to do it, though. LeBron wouldn't play with that reckless abandon over an 82-game stretch because there are bigger goals in mind. I think right. Quest is probably the right word with Russell Westbrook. I think you're being a little kind to Russell Westbrook your house. But that's the thing is, I don't know if physically you can you can play like this for 82 games. Mm-hmm. We've certainly Jordan, Jordan was the only one who did it, and even Jordan would pick his spots a little bit. But Jordan, yeah, the best that, he ever did was like 38 and 8. And but he was also guarding the other team's best guy on defense, Russell Westbrook. Um, defensively, maybe, maybe not the same. Well, that's why he can play that hard. Yeah, else. he's definitely doing some. I right. watched. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, very quickly on 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 Russell. He. I watched him have a bad game this week. Uh, they hosted the Wizards yes. down there in OKC, and he shot terribly from the field. But uh, he still willed them to a victory. He made his first three of the game with, like, you know, three minutes left in the fourth quarter. But I will say he, he gets a bunch of sneaky rebounds because he, his um, IQ, his intuition, coupled with he has, like, a little bit of a Rodman kind of rebound intuition. He was getting to the ball before the Wiz guys had him boxed out, guys had better position, but he was getting to the ball ahead of them because he was anticipating where it was going to go. So that that's just the last thing that maybe might help him on that rebounding count. I watched a little of that game. Your team's terrible, House. Why don't you trade John Wall? What are you waiting for? What, what, what I, good I'm not is indulging he any of this. What good <laughs> is he doing on team? Just you're, trade you're him. You're still bitter about preposterous. You're still a little bitter about Native Americans last week. You're coming back <laughs> house with this. It's not fair. <laughs> you should trade John Wall. What what good does he do? Just be the worst team in the league. You have a chance. You can be Nothing the worst team about. in the league. All right, let's do, let's do our picks. Let's do our picks because. We have some other stuff to get to. All right, you go first. We have three, we make three picks against the spread every week. You can you can go first. Okay, I'm liking the Atlanta Falcons this week. Uh, they uh, are favored, I believe, by four and a half. I've seen four also. Um, Kansas City has not covered in consecutive games all season uh, this year. They covered last week, so they're not going to cover this week. Recent history shows they have a really hard time post Denver. When they go on the road and play a team coming off a win, oh and seven straight up, one and six against the spread. That Sunday night game was a was a brawl. I loved it. What a great football game! I think Kansas City. They have uh, a Thursday night against Oakland coming up next. So this game in in, in the middle here, um, I think they they might get run out the joint. You think I'm, it, I'm taking the Falcons minus the four and a half. I got it, uh, Falcons minus five. You think there's a chance the Chiefs take it easy this week because they got that Thursday game, Mace? Uh, they need this game. I mean, okay. think about what Miami's doing and the, what's going on in the division. I don't yeah. think you can take it easy for a single week. If they lose another one, I think they're going to be in trouble. I don't love this pick, House, but I haven't loved really any of your picks. And the record has backed <laughs> up my, my fear of your picks. 
Uh, my favorite game this week is the Carolina Panthers in Seattle getting seven points against a team that they have played over and over again. Danny Kelly, we're going to talk about it when he comes on. Uh, they have played this team a lot, and they play them well, and they like playing them. And Carolina is the best bad team in football. They do the most stuff of any team that's not going to make the playoffs. Oh, Tate just jarred up. Sorry, Tate. But they can do stuff. They're not going to get blown out. I thought Seattle got their ass kicked by Tampa. I was shocked by that. They could not do anything. And I really think they miss having that kind of back that can come out of the backfield and do some stuff. They they really only had it for a couple of weeks with ProSize, who was terrifying, and then all of a sudden was out. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's hard for them to move the ball. I think it's hard for them to block. And I think Carolina can either win this game or cover by three. And I think we're going to look back and wonder how the hell Carolina didn't make the playoffs. When when Wait a minute. I thought we were going in on Carolina together this week. Oh, let's do yeah. yeah. I wrote a, okay, let's say yeah, all right. Mean? That's our together pick. You're right. You're right. My bad. As usual. Let's, I mean I get c- properly criticized for my crappy picks, but uh, this we do this every single week. We we get on we we compare notes ahead, we say these are the teams we like together, and then you get on and try and own it yourself. <laughs> I want in on this one. Okay, you take I that like one. the Panthers too. Yeah. All right, that'll no, be a good one. We're going in together on this one. The line's seven from what I just saw. Yeah. You said something about three. I mean, uh, no, you know. it's seven. I said I, th- I yeah. think it's a three point game, and I think either team can win. All right, that'll be our joint pick. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, go- I'm, I'm with you. My third Carolina, pick, only two of their seven losses by uh, seven points or more this year. I mean, they're in every game. You just made the point. Seattle just two and three against the spread at home this season. And Carolina um, is, can, can win on the road. So Great. That's a joint Seattle. pick. They did it last year. That's it. So third pick, I was going to go with Tampa plus three and a half at San Diego, and I've decided not to. Oh. I, I just keep staring at the Washington Native Americans getting plus two and a half in Arizona. <laughs> you yourself again. <laughs> I think Arizona sucks. Yeah. I've watched them very carefully the last couple of weeks just for uh, maybe some financial reasons. Defense pretty good, but then falls apart in the second half. Offense, just nobody's on the same page with anybody. Carson Palmer looks bummed out. Their receivers aren't explosive. It's hard for them to move the ball. They're the master of the, the drive is just starting to take shape. And then miscommunication, first down pass, followed by the second down holding. And all of a sudden, it's second and 22. And David Johnson gets stuffed on the screen pass. Now it's third and 24. Maze, you're with me. It's, it's amazing how much different it feels watching them this year. Because last year, when you would see him kind of take a seven-step drop, really set up to let it rip, yeah. there was a fear for the other team. Now, as soon as he starts doing that, it's like, oh, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. It's so incredible how much of a different feeling it is this year. He's playing falling backwards. Yeah. And he has no confidence, and I think that's one of the sloppiest teams. You know, you think about like the bad teams are always sloppy, Browns, all those teams. Yep. But the Cardinals are like the sloppiest team that actually has some talent. Drops too, just changing. so much. Yeah, I mean, and it's Palmer's not playing well, but everyone else isn't playing well either. Michael Floyd's not doing what we thought he was going to do. John Brown has been very good. Yeah, it, there are ten reasons why they're bad, but I never thought it could get to this point. And Washington, I have a. I think Washington is a good team house. I thought you could have won on Thanksgiving if your kicker came through. You can move the ball. Uh, you, can, you can throw the ball. You can do stuff. You can run it. You got 10 days rest. We, I think you win this game. We had the analysis for that Washington-Dallas game down pat. I mean, we just tried, I just tried to reverse jinx it into an actual Redskins win. But they, uh, they were right there. You know, they just 
at the crucial moment of getting a stop against Dallas, they couldn't get a stop. And it never really felt like Washington was going to steal that game. I have a dumb guy question for Mays. What's up, buddy? um, Going into the game against Atlanta last week, uh, Arizona allegedly had the number one defense. Um, how how can that be? This is a dumb guy eye test kind of question. I've watched a lot of Arizona this year. Their defense doesn't impress me. They're, Why would they have the number one defense? I think their defense is pretty good. Uh, yardage, I'll never give that any credence. When they say number one defense, that's by total yards, which and I don't think that matters. Arizona's defense is different than it's been in recent years. And their pass rush is better. And Chandler Jones has been good for them. Marcus Golden has been. They've never really had guys on the edge that could change the game. So when you add that to Patrick Peterson and Tony Jefferson's playing well in the back end, I just think they have good players everywhere. I don't think they're the best defense in the league, but I do think they're pretty good. And also, like, even so that's what they, makes me nervous against my team. That's why I think it's a really good measuring stick for you guys because I haven't seen Cousins light up a good defense in the last few weeks. If he does it again against Arizona, that's what I'm really going to start believing. The advanced metrics are screwed up this year. The Football Outsider guys have done a good job of talking about this. Like they have that DVOA model, which is just out of whack, but. The reason it's out of whack is everybody is so close together that if you look at the rankings, they they don't actually tell you that the defense like is the number two defense this year does not equal the number two defense in 2010. And so I think when when you look at a team like Arizona, it's like oh their defense is it's it's not Atlanta yeah. shredded them. Like any every other team, even if they have good players and they have really good strengths, there are weaknesses. The fact that Marcus Cooper plays a lot for them, there just isn't a spotless unit anywhere. Even Denver isn't like that this Is year. Is Danny's mic on? Oh, yeah. Danny, hop in on this. <clears throat> Hold on. Danny's going to get his mic. I want to know if, if Danny likes five defenses. Because Danny's the kind of guy at three in the morning, he's watching weird YouTube clips trying to figure shit out. But I think I... Like I like the Denver. I like KC with all their guys yep. back. I think is a good defense. Minnesota played really well last night. Minnesota's I still believe D look in them when good. they're healthy. Seattle's D looks good. Seattle, you always have to. Yeah, I mean they're definitely in the conversation. Do we officially like the Baltimore defense, or do we just I feel do. like they're doing well against? I officially like the Baltimore defense. How's, it, do you like any other defenses? They, uh, that, that Baltimore defense let me down against Dallas. I thought Baltimore was gonna. Win that game. Jimmy outright. Smith back though. Um, if, I mean, when he's back and you get Dumerville, I think they can reach another level. I really do. This is uh, Danny Kelly from the Ringer. House, meet Danny Kelly. Hey, Danny. House just said, "Hey, Danny." Um, All right, I'm here. Danny, do you like any other defenses other than the ones we just mentioned? Uh, I wasn't really listening. I was All trying right. to get the mic set up. Sorry. I like I like Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as big on Philly as you are. I don't like the. I mean, their cor- the fact that Leotis McKelvin is a principal part of it is worrisome. But I really like the front seven, so right. I, I believe. I I I think the Wentz has sucked the life out of the entire Eagles team. That's right. My, that's fair. Everybody got so fired up for Wentz for that first month, and now between the fact that he can't control where his passes are going, and he has a terrible receiver running back combo. The defense is like, oh man, we are fucked. You never have a, it's never a good feeling when you have the former first round pick that's a healthy scratch. It's like, oh, Nelson Aguilar's just not playing today. Oof. That, that situation's never, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was really, truly terrible, though. Yeah. Yeah. He was like actively hurting the team. House, where did you get Jamison Crowder? They they drafted him. It was a uh, a rare um, good draft pick by the by the Deadskins. I like that guy. I think he's good. I like your team. I like that. I like the talent. They have the best on the receiving re- core by far. Yeah, it's I ridiculous. Yeah. How are they not getting laying points in Arizona? I don't get it. 
All right, so those are the three. defense. We're taking Arizona plus two and a half. We are taking uh, Carolina plus seven in Seattle. And then you are laying five points against the Chiefs, which, you know, I don't agree with, but whatever. I don't agree with anything you do. Uh, You did a shack house this week, right? No, no, it's coming up. We're going to do one post-Tiger. We're going to record it Tuesday. And I think we're also going to include some of our end-of-the-year awards. So there might be two shack houses yet to come out. We're going to do a quick hit on the Tiger thing. We'll push that out right away, like, you know, Tuesday. And then we might have an end-of-the-year some some awards to give out, you know, to guys over the season. I know for sure I have an award in mind. I want to give out my my favorite allocation of capital, my best bet for the 2016 golf season. I'm very excited Ooh. to uh, share the results of that one. Um, hey, speaking but, but of speaking, speaking of sharing, yeah. can you share some information about Callaway? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, it is, as you know, the holiday season. Callaway has their holiday gift guide. You can look online. They did a Facebook Live yesterday hosted by the uh, inimitable Amanda Balionis. Um, give the gift of forgiveness with the Big Bertha Fusion, Callaway's most forgiving driver, or let a loved one unwrap explosive distance with a brand new set of steelhead irons. Callaway, the number one irons in golf. Get you some. Promo code house. Ship them to your house, your own house, for free. Promo code house. Free shipping. House. That was, Get it. You got to figure out how to do those in less than 20 seconds. I mean, that was like <laughs> that, was, that was like a Paul you, Thomas Anderson movie. You gave me 20 seconds. That was my limit. Now, now I'm down to 15. Oh, house. The Boogie Nights house is for sale. I, mean, I, was, I meant to tell you this on the podcast. The, <laughs> how much time have you spent <laughs> looking at the online? How much do we have to get together? So Let's get a consortium. It's a little pricey. It's $1.5 million. Oh, that's like like 20 of us can go in on that. It's in Covina, California, which is about Where's... 40 minutes from L.A. toward Ontario. It's it's going in a direction like kind of near Commerce Casino. The closest, the closest kind of bigger city that it's near is Chino, which is where uh, the kid from the OC was from when all the rich kids made fun of him. To give you an idea of where, where uh, the Boogie Nights house is, I Googled all the prices of Covina houses that were over a million dollars and there was only 11. It was one of the most expensive yeah. ones. It's 1.35 okay. acres. I know that I, I'm not even looking at anything <laughs> right might, now. I'm the amount of research you've done is startling. It looks exactly the same. They have not altered it. It looks like Jack Horner's house. I'm going to send you the link and you're going to get freaked out. They have not changed the interior at all. I mean, I don't even, there might be the bullet hole from Little Bill in the wall. I'm not, I'm not sure. But it looks exactly the same. Like, literally, it's possible to buy the Boogie Nights house and have Jack Horner parties there. And it's a, it's, it I could be a real thing. I just want to get in that pool one time. Do a flip like Reed Rothschild? Yes. So... Yeah, I'm just laying that out there. I'm going to send you the links. But uh, America, you can you can look at the Boogie Nights house. It is incredible. It's amazing. Joe House, thank you. Thanks, guys. Later, bud. All right, we're going to bring in Maze and Kelly. But first, our friends at Squarespace make it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Regardless of skill level, no coding needed. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. And also, their state-of-the-art technology ensures security and stability. You get 24-7 online support. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates and customizable settings. 
And with Squarespace Commerce, you get all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. Sign up for one year. You'll receive a custom domain for free for one year. Start a free trial today. No credit card required. Squarespace.com. Use offer code BS to get 10% off your first purchase. And now Maze and Kelly. I'm here with uh, Maze and Kelly who do the Ringer NFL show. Uh, they did not do that on Friday because we taped the whole NFL thing yesterday, which you'll be able to find on YouTube. And we also ran as a podcast. Danny, this is your virgin appearance. I know. It's crazy. Um, we're going to talk about futures because this is a great time to talk about futures. <laughs> I'm in. We're heading into week 13. Perennially a really good time to get some decent odds on, on things like this. Will the Browns go winless in 2016? Here are the odds. Yes, plus 160. No, minus 125. Uh, I'm sorry, minus 225. You have to bet on that just for the fun of doing it. I'm going to give you their games. Home against Cincy at Buffalo. Home against San Diego at Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. That's not not an easy stretch. (laughs) Not not an easy stretch. (laughs) Cincinnati's the worst team they play for the rest of the season. Yeah. So, yes is plus 160. So, basically, if if they get through this week, I don't think they win. No. No, but Cincy's I mean, I, not very good. I mean, Cincy's, they're not very good rel- relatively, but they're a lot better than the Browns. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of injuries, though, so, I mean, they're, like, with no A.J. Green. It could absolutely happen. Yeah. And just the enjoyment of being able to root for a winless season, I feel like that's what makes the odds worth it. <laughs> Divisions. The Lions, minus 180. Packers, plus 220. Vikings, plus 750. So, basically, it's Lions versus the Packers. Yeah. Are we, are, we crossing, are we riding in the Lions? Because I think they're going to lose to the Saints this I'm week. I'm not. I, we were talking about this on our show that we recorded yesterday. I think it could absolutely come down to that Week 17 game between Green Bay and, and All Detroit. they have to do is be one game back. But what, if the Packers win, then what happens with the tiebreakers? They Green Bay won both their head-to-heads. So they, they oh, yeah. Head-to-head. Green Bay won the first yeah. one. So What do you think, Danny? I picked the Lions, but I'm feeling... I mean, any, anybody in that division is just so unbalanced. Yeah. Like The Lions are good on offense terrible on defense maybe one of the worst defenses in the nfl but then you saw what the packers did the last couple weeks not this last week but 30 points plus four weeks in a row 40 points plus two weeks in a row i mean that defense is hurting and i don't know if you know beating the eagles necessarily tells us a whole lot because the wentz you know thing is i don't know just it doesn't tell us a whole lot i I agree i I just think that if i'm gonna make a bet on one of those teams i'm gonna feel safe as putting it on green bay maybe that's five years of what's happened previously informing my decision but that's just it feels safer to me or they just caught the perfect monday night opponent a team that could not run the ball at all when that's how you beat green bay one of the reasons you just run the ball down their throats they're not going to stop you and that in Philly had Smallwood and Sproles, all these dudes. They have no receivers either. And yeah. like no receivers. the main problem with the, the Packers, other than the run defense, is they have like they're playing their third and fourth corners yep. right now. Secondary is equally bad and hurt. Yeah. Who do the Packers play this week? Against Houston. They'll beat Houston, I bet. God, that could be an ugly game. Lamar I, Miller could run it down their throats. I 
I feel better about their run defense than you do. I think that right now where you take advantage of Green Bay is their corners just aren't very good, and Brock Osweiler isn't going to be that guy. No. no, That's the problem. Yeah, they might have lucked out. Similar to what happened last week. Is I it mean, cold in Green Bay yet? Like, is it getting really cold yet? I haven't been in the Midwest in like two weeks. I have no <laughs> idea. It's got to be starting. I can't. Can you see? I mean, Brock Osweiler's played in Denver, but I mean, it's not going to help him. To this be could the be the Brock Osweiler farewell start. <laughs> yeah. Like, if he sucks this week, and they still have a chance to win the division, obviously. They're still winning the division. Yeah. But, I mean, if they ridiculous. lose, it'll be, so it'll be like tied or whatever. They'd have to go with Tom it's, Savage. It's a snow game on Sunday. Ooh, there we go. Wow. It's that time of year. So Brock's going to be, like, stumbling around like a new baby deer. <laughs> <laughs> NFC South, Falcons 4-1 four to one, four to one favorites. Bucks at plus 350. Saints at 15-1. to one. Panthers, 100-1. to one. Now, if the Falcons lose to the Chiefs... And the Bucks beat San Diego. Third game back, right? No, they'd be tied in the loss column. Oh, that's right. Five, yeah. If the Saints win and both of those teams lose, the Saints would be a game back and tied with Tampa. And then Carolina basically has to win out. Carolina's hoping for a 9-7 and seven four-way tie. But even then, I think they'd be screwed. I don't think Carolina has a shot. The Saints are interesting to me. We talked about this a little bit. They're so dangerous. And if they did get in, I think they'd have a puncher's chance in any game. They're like Washington. Yeah. Saints or Washington as a five or six seed, you'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. I got to score 30 points to beat these guys. Exactly. Tampa's schedule is brutal. That, to me, would be the biggest drawback for picking them. They have so many tough games down the stretch. It's hard to imagine them winning even three of those. Who's your favorite out of those teams? I mean, I like the Falcons. Yeah. I think the Falcons are solid. Their defense is, I mean, it's like the same as the Lions. Their defense is terrible, but their offense does enough where, like you said, you're going to have to score a lot of points to beat them. I also really like the Saints. I think the Saints defense has picked up a lot lately. And with what they do with Breeze, I mean, that gives them a chance every week. So There's something to be said about beating the shit out of a couple teams. I totally agree. You know? And the Saints have done it, what? It's three? hard to blow out teams in the NFL. They, they have, yeah, two blowout wins in their last four weeks. One was against the Niners. But the Rams... Not an easy team to score 49 They on. embarrassed them. They, I mean, embarrassed they moved them. the ball at will. It was really impressive. I wonder how, I, how much is how many points have the Rams given up like this year? It's good. they got to be pretty good in the points per game column. I think you know just that defense is good enough to keep you know keep the game. Even when scoring. they haven't been playing well, outside of that whatever weird one debacle happened in San Francisco, they haven't gotten blown out. Even no. when they've been uninspiring, they've been solid. It's like and 10 that's and why six every game. Last week was really weird six. to watch. Yeah. Who do you have? Steelers minus two twenty or Ravens plus one eighty? I'm on the Steelers wagon now. I am too. I think that what we saw against Indy is an indication of what we may see for the rest of the season. You know, Roethlisberger's back healthy. They finally have Bell, him, and Antonio Brown together. I think that they, they're the most dangerous kind of lurking wildcard team in the AFC, like we were talking about the Saints in Washington. So you don't like the Giants' chances this weekend? I mean, I like the Giants some, but yeah, I like, I like the Steelers. So it's a very disrespectful six-point spread for the Giants. <laughs> Giants are the worst eight and three team of all time. I just it's happens so every hard year. To get excited about them. Where is it? It's in, it's in Pittsburgh. Huh? Yeah. All right. NFC. Oh, let's do AFC South. God, what a mess. <laughs> Texans are the favorites in the AFC South. They're oh, minus one twenty favorites. <laughs> How close is you is Tennessee? Tennessee's plus two hundred. Colts plus three fifty. Tennessee has. Uh, they are. Are they not playing this week? Oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're on by. The, they the how, how did they get a bye this late? Crazy bye. The Colts are home. Oh, I'm sorry. Monday night Colts 
at the Jets. <laughs> it's an oh, unwatchable man. game. Congratulations for that <laughs> oh one, ESPN. And then Houston's at Green Bay, as we discussed. So I think the Colts, if it, Luck's playing in that game. That's one of those Luck is the best player in the field game. Right. If they don't beat the Jets, that's a problem. I still, for whatever reason, have talked myself into Tennessee 20 times and still am. But the Colts need to beat the Jets. Tennessee's hurt my feelings multiple times. This Every season. time you want to believe in them, they let you down. Yeah. So who like would you, you pick? I like the Titans. Titans. Yeah. They're balanced. They just waved Parrish Cox, who started like four games for them. He had a terrible game. God, he, he's, <laughs> he's been really bad. Yeah. I like what I like the waving the guy who's a starter to send a message. Like, what kind of message? The, the defense is like, yeah, we know we suck. You didn't have to. <laughs> you didn't have to wave Parrish Cox. I, it's crazy, but at gunpoint, I think I would bet on Andrew Luck. That I don't disagree with you. I taking the best quarterback is usually a good move. Right. I just like what Tennessee's doing, and I know that they've burned me the last couple times I've said that. But their offense is making big plays. I like the players they have in the front seven. They just do the most stuff well out of anyone in that division right now. The Titans. Well, the Titans are Dallas light. They like run the ball really well. They've got a. You, you know, can throw on them. Efficient quarterback. They've got actually they have players up front though. Yeah. I mean, the Jarrell Casey, Derek Morgan, Brian Arakpo combination. Their defense is better, yeah. Dallas doesn't have a single guy that even scratches that. Right. So most likely we have three six and six teams on Monday because the Titans aren't playing and if the Colts win oh, and the Texans lose. Lovely. Colts last four home for Houston at Minnesota at Oakland, home for Jacksonville. Not easy. No. We're gonna see an eight and eight team is gonna be your division. Champ in this somehow the te- the hosting a game yeah the Titans are at Kansas City God. how on a scale of one to ten how excited are you to bet against Brock Osweiler in a walk out run I mean it's always been a dream come true <laughs> there's been some really good quarterbacks to bet on in round one over the years though I mean we can't lose that would be actually be a fun piece who <laughs> are the, the worst the power quarterbacks of the, of the most fun quarterbacks to bet against I would probably Dalton. say that one of those Cardinals guys is number one right. Who started for them a couple years the ago against Carolina? Was like Skelton? No, it was worse than that. It was John Skelton. Yeah. I mean, that's I, mean, that's I would say that's probably number one. God. I don't know how you beat that. Now the bet. Oh, TJ Yates. Oh yeah, TJ Yates covered though. Yeah, he won. Yeah, he won that game. AJ McCarron. Now the yeah for last year. I have to go far back, but for some reason I remember this very vividly and happily. Quincy Carter. It's like 2003. Started a playoff game and was getting less than. Double figures in points, and it was beautiful. And I, I thank thank God every day for it. People under <laughs> are on, they don't really give enough credit to how bad Kyle Orton was in 2005. He was oh, absolutely unwatchable when the Bears <laughs> won 11 and 5. This is a piece. We should do this piece. Let's do it. The, <laughs> the worst round run quarterbacks to bet against, and will Brock Osweiler be worse than all of them? AFC West, Raiders even, Chiefs plus 150, Broncos plus 550. Chiefs could. Chiefs are not favored this week in Atlanta. They're getting five points. They're probably going to lose. That's too many. I want to see Atlanta do it against a really good defense. You know, they played well against Arizona I was last surprised week. Surprised by that line. Kansas City, their defense is for real. Five points is a lot. I think Vegas factors in if you played five quarters. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would make sense. I think there's. I think it's a good point. I just think that's brutal. What was the other time that happened? Oh, the Seattle, well, the Seahawks, Seattle, Seattle this year, yeah. When they tied yeah. after, yeah, it was like six to six or whatever. It's also that Seattle Arizona game was brutal yeah. in, in a way that in Kansas City Denver was the same way. I mean, it's two really physical teams. There were like twenty people on the injured report for Arizona that after that game. Yeah, uh, Arizona was probably not the same. After that game. I can't imagine what they're feeling like. <laughs> what? Uh, which one would you take out of those AFC West teams? 
I think I still like the Raiders. Okay. I do, too. Sticking with the Raiders. Both of those other teams, I feel like, are probably going to make the playoffs, but it's hard to pick against Oakland Division. I would take the Chiefs if their schedule wasn't as hideous as it is. They basically have to win in Atlanta this week to have any chance, and I think after last week, rough one. All right, MVP. Ooh. Matt Ryan plus 400. Tom Brady plus 400, who I, I think he's Matt Ryan is a co-favorite right now. Zeke Elliott plus 500. Dak Prescott plus 600. I was going to say. Derek Carr, 8-1. to one. Matt Stafford, 10-1. to one. Wilson, 15-1. Rodgers, for some reason, 25-1. to one. <laughs> Kirk Cousins lingering oh, at 25-1. to one. That would be amazing. <laughs> Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers at the same MVP odds. This is where amazing. we are. And then it gets uh, wonky after that. I, I've already made my case to you. I think Dak's the MVP because I think you have to measure him against all the backup quarterbacks. And if every team lost their starter and the backup came in, could the backup hold the fort? Not only did he hold the fort, he was better than the starter. Right. I, it's unprecedented. It would be the equivalent of if Garoppolo was undefeated with the Patriots right now. It's unprecedented. I don't understand why we have all these qualifiers. I don't think you can give it to him. I do agree this is like the Dallas season. Last night was kind of an indication of that. It's just a Thursday night game where they didn't play great. It's the sort of game you lose and they didn't. Yeah. But I think in that kind of – if this is Dallas' season and we're throwing them hardware, I think they give it to Zeke. That would be my guess. I don't think they should, but I yeah. think that could absolutely happen. I mean, I, I think Zeke's going to get it, but I think you can definitely make the argument for Dak. It's funny because we don't even talk about – I don't really think about him as like the backup, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting because I mean, he started the whole season, but he's played so well. You're not even really like, wow, this backup is great. It's kind of just like he's just great. Yeah. This has been a passion of mine for a while. Like, what a most valuable means, right? Because I think almost every time people just go with best player, but like on the best team. All right, just fundamentally, what does most valuable mean? It means if you remove that person from the team and you replace them with somebody else, what would happen? So if Dallas had Alfred Morris and Lance Dunbar and all these dudes instead of Zeke Elliott, they'd still be like six and four. You know, maybe he'd lose three games, but I still think they would be an, an above average team. If you replace Dak Prescott and you put some of the shitty backup quarterbacks we've seen from around the league in that spot, it's a two and nine team or a three yeah. and eight team. Like we saw it last year with Castle. They couldn't function. But that's how quarterback is. That's why the MVP for the most that's part. That's why the quarterback always wins yes, MVP. Because though. he's inherently the most valuable. If we're going by that definition though, it's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the most valuable player in the league. If you replace Russell Wilson with the league average quarterback, that's a bottom five defense or bottom five offense. Oh, I agree with that. Well what if you replace Matt Ryan with uh Brock Osweiler. <laughs> I mean, that's a problem. I mean, Brock Osweiler, that's the thing, though. It's not going from Matt Ryan to Brock Osweiler isn't going from a really good quarterback to an average one. It's going from a really good quarterback to the worst True. one. So who's the most like, average quarterback? Like, if you put Tannehill on the Dolphins, or if you put Tannehill the most average quarterback. If you put Tannehill on the Falcons, the Falcons are still really good on yeah. offense. They're either 5-6 and six or 6-5. Six and five. They're, they're worse, but I still think they're a top eight offense with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. So if you put Ryan Tannehill on the Seahawks, what's their record? That's a good question. It's hard because the defense is going to carry them to wins, but in terms of their offense, they're four and seven. Oh man, three and eight? No, More they're better like than that. Four and seven. They're better. They're the number one scoring defense in the league again. They're yeah. better than that, but their offense is definitely in the bottom six or eight. Are they going into New England and winning? Are they going? <laughs> no. You know, are they going to beat uh, the Eagles or I? 
the Bills. All right, so let's go league average backup. Who's a league average backup? Scott Tolzien? No. I think he's, he's worse not? than league average. Landry Jones? That might work. Landry Jones, the most average backup quarterback. That's He fine. is the Cowboys quarterback for the first 10 games of the season. <laughs> What's our record? 2-8. and eight. Yeah, I think I Dak's the MVP. We kind of saw that last year. Yeah. They're 2-8. and eight. Dak's the MVP. You just don't want to admit it. But that's, again, we're talking about <laughs> last year they had Matt Castle and Kellen Moore and Brandon Whedon. That's not league average. That's the bottom of the barrel. That's the worst quarterback Matt play Matt Castle imaginable. got a big contract, though. Is that an indicator of whether a guy can play? Matt Castle has yeah, been horrible. Matt Castle from his That's last true. year in KC has been literally unwatchable. When he was playing at Minnesota those first four games, people forget how terrible he was. <laughs> he broke his leg, and that's why Teddy ended up playing. But before he did that, I, that game he played against New England that season, I can't remember a worse game from a quarterback. Maybe Geno against the Bills that one game. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'm going to argue for Dak being the MVP, but when you look at the amount of times he's made big third down throws, think about the amount of drives would have died without him at quarterback. He's the type of quarterback that's really good for them because he can extend plays with his legs. In a weird way, it's kind of the stuff that Romo did a couple years ago. Third and six, you just trust they're going to get it because he's so good at extending stuff, making plays out of the pocket. He just has an improvisational element to him that makes him really useful in those situations. There's two other factors you guys didn't mention yet. Doesn't turn the ball over. Yep. Which is my favorite quality for any quarterback. He's on like two record streaks without an interception. Yeah, he just doesn't. He hasn't fucked up a game yet. He hasn't even really fucked up a drive. And also, like, dealing with Dez is not easy. Yeah. And he has Dez's respect. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there's seven quarterbacks in the league that Dez just doesn't act like an a-hole in the sidelines <laughs> twice twice a season and screw stuff up and chemistry issues and and Dez is in on Dak. He doesn't so, throw interceptions in part because of the build of their offense. That's the style they play. They're going to lean on the run. He's a lot made of, some big third throws. and thirteens though. And, you know, he's uh, throwing balls in traffic yeah. that are in the right spots. And even yesterday when uh, it was third and seven when they settled for the field goal, we we were all watching it together last night when they went up seventeen nine. Mm-hmm. He had Williams in the corner, and he threw it he away that it. either Williams had to make an awesome catch yeah. or was going out of bounds. Like That's a play where Ryan Tannehill throws it to the defensive back. Right. Well, and he also had that play real late when they were trying to put the game away, and he slid like half a foot too early or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He should have gotten first down there, but like plays like that where he extends it with his legs too. He I mean, picks that's so demoralizing. spots with that. That's the biggest yeah. part of it. I mean, he, I, he reminds me of Russell Wilson like two years ago. Not mm-hmm. Russell Wilson year one because he ran the ball a lot. But just understanding when to run, not using right. it as a crutch, but using it as a weapon. I think he's very, very similar to Russell Wilson, even though their bodies are different. The one thing he doesn't have that Wilson has that nobody else has is that the, the go to the right. Spin do back. the spin back. That's the, Romo, the left. Move. It's Romo, like, Romo Rogers. Those are the yeah. two other guys. It's, yeah. it's just unbelievable. It's yeah. unstoppable, and he creates two extra first downs a game with that play. And him and Roethlisberger, Rogers still not quite as much as he used to. But those guys that can it just it's so depressing when you're on the other side and it's oh we had him. That's like, what Roethlisberger's I'm the king of demoralizing. That. Yeah, so demoralizing. We'll see how good Dak is mobility wise when he's not playing behind that offensive line because right. like there's True. no more disparate situation than Russell Wilson's current offensive line and right, Dak Prescott's. Right. I think like five years ago I wrote that Roethlisberger should be a stat. Where it's like you should have been sacked, but Escapes, you weren't. You got a yeah. first like, down. T- you like yeah, carry two guys like tugging on your. Wilson jersey. would lead the league by far this year. The Houdini plays. Oh, yeah. no question. Yeah, yeah it should, or call it like the Houdini or something. Uh, we got to talk about Super Bowl matchups. So I have the odds for these. 
first of all, oh, they took the ads off. Why'd they do that? <laughs> all right, sorry. Uh, all right, we'll go. We'll go Super Bowl ads then. First of all, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? And I'll tell you the ads. <sighs> it's hard for me to pick against Seattle. Still, I know they played terribly last week. I just think they're the best team. From top to bottom, offense, defense, when they're healthy, I still think Seattle's the best team. Yeah. Plus 650. I'm, I'm still sticking with the Cowboys, man. Like, to me, they, they're the team, just like gut feeling, that has been the hardest to beat in the NFL right now. I mean, their, their record shows that, too, but like, just you have to be perfect to beat them. But Seattle can be. That That's why I believe in Seattle, because if there's a defense yeah. in the league that is spotless at every level and just all over the place, it's the Seahawks. And if there's a unit that can give them trouble, I still think it's Seattle. I like that you're trying to convince me about I know. Seattle. I, I can't believe I'm in this <laughs> position. Dan, yeah, Danny's playing hard to get with it. No, no, no so, I don't I, think it is. I, legitimate, I genuinely am not feeling quite as confident as you. I think they're good. But like, I, yeah, I watched a lot of that Tampa game last week. I thought they had an incredible amount of trouble moving the ball. That's an yeah. outlier, though. I, I, was an, I don't know if it was an outlier. Black up center, back up right tackle. I mean, they just when your offensive line is bad and then you start replacing players, that's what happens. Right. I feel like if they can get healthy, they're going to be a lot of trouble for somebody. Who's their, 20, who's their 25-yard play guy now? I mean, it's Jimmy Graham. It's basically Graham. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Doug but Baldwin's you can take out tight ends. But Wilson... Wilson makes anybody that guy. Curse can give that to you. Lockett can give that to you. Lockett. They can make plays down the field if he has time. If they get Lockett going, that makes that would make me feel a lot better. We're also about two weeks in from Russell Wilson being healthy. Right. We haven't seen him healthy for most of the season. If he's healthy, there's no way you can count them out, even on offense. I think Dallas is going to have home field. They have to go yeah. into Dallas and beat them. Dallas, although... That game, man. That'll be oh my god, sweet. If that, I think Dallas reminds me of the Cubs and the Indians in baseball, where when they have the lead, they can just close it. Which is why last night was so surprising. It just seemed like they're going to close it third down. Oh, this we were laughing like they had the ball. They're up eight. Yeah. Oh, this is over. They're going to get a first down. But then Prescott screwed up his slide. All of a sudden, the Vikings have the ball back. But I just think if if they're up. Four at home with seven minutes left. They have the ball. Like I don't think the other team's getting it back. Yeah. Minnesota watching the, those fronts play against each other yesterday was fascinating. And the Vikings. You were so you got oh you got God. so nerd offensive line nerdy about. I made you rewind those- <laughs> like, like a simple Tyron Smith <laughs> oh, yeah. pass set. That Minnesota team went toe to toe with the Cowboys' offensive line. And when you look at Seattle with Bennett, Clark, Averill, the guys they have up front, they have the sort of horses to also go toe-to-toe with Dallas. And I think that's why it's going to be a good matchup. I think, I think if there is a team that can beat Dallas, it is Seattle. Can physically, are we sure they can hold up for 20 games? Yeah. Because they're... Well, I mean, they could like, get the two-seed, I guess. But I think they'll, they'll that's end a team up with that needs seed. to not play in Week 18. Right. Yeah, I think they will get the two-seed. And, I mean... I'm kind of anticipating an NFC Championship game between the Cowboys and the Seahawks. You know, maybe that. I mean, obviously that's just hope, but like, I can't see. It's hard to see another situation. I agree. Washington's offense is really good. Atlanta has a ton of firepower, but I don't think either of them are in the same class. Can you imagine Sunday Championship weekend, Seattle at Dallas, and Oakland at New England? Uh, yes, I can because was, it's yeah. all I want in the world. <laughs> that would be fun, man. That is a great final yeah. four. Oh yeah, that Oakland, Oakland New England game is going to be Oakland New England. Points. They have the history of the Tuck Rule and the rough yep. and the passer penalty in '76 oh, yeah. and the uniforms and that'd be unbelievable. 
I'd be fired for up all for the that. talk early in the season about how ugly the games were and right. ratings and everything else. The teams that are still going to be there at the end are really fun. I mean, there's a really good crop at the top right. of it all that is just enjoyable to watch. I was I can't remember who I was talking about this with, but the, if you take just twelve playoff teams, I think we were talking about it. Maybe ten are really fun to watch. Yeah. Remember when we were saying yeah. how there weren't fun NFL teams? But obviously now the NFL just takes 10 weeks to get going. Because <laughs> the really so bad offenses are, really, are too bad. You know, The teams with really good defenses and bad offenses, the offenses are, aren't the level of company you need to make the playoffs, like Baltimore. Yeah. For the most part, it's the bad defense and good offense teams that have been winning. Even the Giants yeah. who are always like dissatisfying and they just leave yeah. you kind of joyless and dry. This year they're kind of fun because they're... They, they're just unpredictable, wacky. Every once well, in a while, Odell will just have the 77-yard <laughs> yeah. run touchdown. I, I can't. They just make me glaze over. I I don't know what it is. JPP did had a pick six with one hand. <laughs> Their mean, defense has got some playmakers on it now, which is fun. Yeah. Danny, let me ask you this. Seattle Giants at Seattle. Could that be a round two? I uh, guess that couldn't. Yeah, that could. If the Giants won the 4-5... Oh, would that send him to Seattle? Yeah. Or if they won the 3-6? Giants-Seattle. Odell is... That would be a fun one. Odell is getting punts. Odell oh. is back for every punt. How frightened are you? I'd kick it out of bounds, probably. <laughs> they will, right? Is there... I like it. I mean, you might as well at that point, because he's the only guy yeah. on your team that can make a play like that, on offense or special teams, so... It's hard for me to imagine the Giants winning cold-weather games with those running backs. Yeah. That's would be thing. that would be my biggest. Yeah. Other than the fact that defensively they have three good guys and eight shaky ones, do you but think that the running that, game? I don't. I don't see it. Yeah, because do you think that offense functions real well? It's against, hard for me to imagine against a zone team in the rain. I, exactly. You know, because the Seahawks mostly play zone. I mean, they they do other stuff, but it's not like I feel like Odell's not going to house one against Seattle just because they're playing with their eyes. You know. He's not going to take that slant 60 yards right. because there's just too many bodies in the way. Well, don't Typically. the Seahawks go into that game saying, we're knocking out Odell Beckham if he comes over the middle? Yes. Yeah. That's please please run the slant over the middle. Yeah. We are going. Yeah. Please. When's the last I have time Seattle gave up a big like, passing play? That was not a jump ball. It's like Mike Evans. A play was just um, broken coverage that somebody totally fucked up. Well, the fact that I can't really think of one. I mean, I'm sure there are a few. Yeah, but nothing comes to mind. But, like, they don't do that egregiously it's funny because like when richard sherman gets beat like bad which has happened like five times in his career or whatever like people talk about it forever but yeah. like the seahawks just that's their that's the main tenant of Pete carroll's defense like the mike evans play last beat week beat. we had the, where he had the hand on it julio scored a pretty long touchdown that was kind of a broken coverage but you have to pick them out there it's yeah. not as if they happen every the three big, weeks i was shocked by mike evans kind of took it to sherman a couple times in that game he on he's Sunday. Good. ridiculous he he's good, basically like, i'm as good of an athlete as you and yeah. i'm catching the that's ball a, once that's a really good matchup it was for, i mean like sherman he's he's actually i think better against small guys these days because some of the some of the like des and uh, I'm trying to think of who else have had really good matchups. Like Brandon Marshall beat him a couple times. Yep. You know, I mean, those those are the hardest matchups for him. Mike Evans, if I did a year-end awards right now, Mike Evans would be my most improved, even though statistically probably is relatively similar to last year. We but I just think he's so last year. He had three touchdowns last yeah. year, and he's got 10 He's got year. 10 now. I was wrong he's about a lot of stuff. He was dropping passes last year all the yeah. time in yep. big moments, and he doesn't drop them anymore, and he's yep. he's – Kind of become Fitzgeraldy. He's makes he's big plays in down. traffic. He's ridiculous. I mean, I was wrong about a lot of stuff coming into the season. I was very right about that. He was the one guy I was like trumpeting it before the year. He's going to be yeah. huge, and he has been. Well, you, you were wrong about the 
lap dance you gave DeAndre Hopkins for the entire whoa, whoa, 2016. Come on now. DeAndre Hopkins is still a very good It was like one player. of those three-song lap dances, too. It wasn't even one lap dance. I feel so three bad for him. I, having to toil away with Brock Osweiler <laughs> is the worst fate. Fitz made it work with John Skelton and all the Ryan Lindley, all these dudes. Yeah, I had to go back to the ATM with DeAndre Hopkins. It was not a lot of responsibility there. (laughs) I've been proud of him that he hasn't completely snapped, though. I would have gone crazy at this point. It's it's crazy that he did so much better last year with the four guys that they had. I just never thought it could be like this. Every kind of conversation about it was look at what he did with those guys even if Oswald was bad there's still a consistency right. there right. I just never imagined he could be this terrible uh, alright do we have any long shot we're gonna go in a second do we have any long shot Super Bowl sleepers cause here's the list Chiefs 18-1 to Giants 22-1 to Broncos 28-1 to Lions 30-1 to Dolphins thirty five to one, Packers thirty five to one, Baltimore forty to one, Denver's twenty eight to one. That's a good bet. Redskins fifty to one. I, I would go with Denver. Denver, me, New York. Uh, D- Denver twenty eight to one. That seems like too much for me. Their defense is still really. People good. seem to think they're not going to make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised I mean, if they on the did. Verge, yeah. I mean, but if they get in, I, I still think they have enough guys over there to be really scary. I think Denver's really good. They have the most sacks in the NFL right now. They're going to beat New England in two weeks, and it's going to make me sad. Von that Miller and, is still really good. Yeah, it's twenty-eight to one when you have a team with Von Miller and all those other guys. I think that's pretty good value. I, I agree. I think that's the best odds right now because you know the AFC is a three-point favorite against the NFC in the Super Bowl, which I think is interesting. Huh? That usually means Vegas thinks. I don't agree with that at all. I'm I think the like two best NFC teams are in the NFC. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, that line dropped to minus one and a half, I think, because of Gronk. Oh, that makes sense. AFC minus one and a half. But do you think New England's favorite against Dallas or Seattle in the Super Bowl? Just telling you what Vegas says. <laughs> I didn't make the lines. Don't get mad at me, Maze. <laughs> so you got, we can listen to you guys on the Ringer NFL show every Friday. Yep. yep. And then uh, you're with Kevin Clark on Mondays. Kevin Clark on Mondays. And we can read you this month, next month. It's yep. kind of your wheelhouse, Maze. It's last, you know, we're getting down the stretch here. Yeah. Five weeks left. This is the time. I'm glad you've stayed focused after the Cubs World Series championship. <laughs> I showed up at 8 a.m. the next day and recorded a video. So you flew in. You flew Incredible. in. All right. Thank you, fellas. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Thank you. Thanks to the ringer.com. Remember, uh, huge back and forth. I did with Gladwell about the future of football. We wrote it. It went up on the ringer.com on Thursday. Check that out. Thanks to stamps.com. Avoid the post office during the holidays. Buy and print official U.S. postage with your own computer and printer. Sign up for stamps.com. Use promo code BS for a four week trial that plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage. And a digital scale. Click on the microphone at the top of the stamps.com homepage and type in BS. Thanks to Dick's Sporting Goods. This holiday season, purchase a pair of green shoelaces at Dick's to show your support for U Sports. $2 off each pair sold will go directly to help one of the hundreds of school teams in need. Visit sportsmatter.org to learn more. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back next week. 